0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cut the BS. In this conversation, I'm joined by Chantelle, our recruitment manager at Latte. Welcome, Sean. Hi. Today, we are talking about if size matters. This <laughs> is when it comes to where you work <laughs> and what size of a PR agency. So, let's start with the poll that we ran on LinkedIn, and we asked our PR and social media community, where would you rather work, a big agency or a small agency? What do you think came out on top, Chantelle?
1: I think I'm biased because we, only work, we tend to only work with small to mid-size. We've, we've had some big clients come to us, but yeah. um, I think small to mid-size is where people would want to work more than the big agencies.
0: Yeah, it was actually a bit of a 50-50 split. Ah. So small agency did win and there was 57% uh, said that they would prefer to work. At a, at a small agency with 43% saying a big agency. Why do you think small agencies came out slightly on top there?
1: Again, I feel like I'm biased because I work at a small agency, but I think I think you just get more exposure to different elements of the business. From what I've heard, if you're at a big agency, you're very in that job level title and you do your job and that's yeah. basically it. Whereas at a small agency, they're scrappy, they're entrepreneurial. If you want to do something, they're like, yep, go and do it. Um, yeah. So I think if you're that type of person who wants to have a a broader variety of jobs, I think that's why.
0: I agree. And I think the results being 50-50 also Mm. show the difference in personalities um, where, you know, some people are just more a big, big agency type of Mm. person. They want structure. They want the learning and development um, program in writing Mm. and they want to do, if you're an account manager, account director, they want to do, I'm an AM and that's, that's what I'm here to do. Um, whereas in a, as you said, in a smaller agency, you get to kind of be a little bit more entrepreneurial, have your ideas heard, maybe make changes at all different levels. You don't have to wait to, to get to the top. Yeah. Um, I think some ways as well, you're, you're not, as indoctrinated into a way of doing something in a small Mm. agency because they're a lot more fluid and adaptive to the market. Would you agree with that?
1: I think yes and no. There are some small mid-sized agencies where I've heard that it can be quite cultish and Mm. it's like it's our way or no way. Um, And then there might be some bigger agencies, I'm sure, as well, where they're made up of all different types of people and it's a bit more collaborative. But I'd say on a whole, Mm big agency or a big machine. And I think it's like, you've got to do it this way. And this is uh, this is my, what I've heard. Obviously, I haven't worked in a PR agency yeah. before, but yeah, it seems to be that way.
0: I feel like we both know about one agency. <laughs> yeah. very, very cultish. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to get it like that, but yeah. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. We won't mention them. No. So what do you think the common misconceptions are about small agencies?
1: I think job security is a big thing that people worry about especially on the other side of the pandemic now. Yeah. I think a lot of people assume that a small agency doesn't have the budget to keep them on or yeah. if you're last in you're first out and that a big agency has more processes in place to keep you. Mm-hmm. But what we actually have seen um a lot of the times through covid and and before and after that um bigger agencies and the global agencies restructure a lot and that means just chopping people sometimes and there's no reason for it a lot of the time. It's just you go.
0: Yeah. Mm. I even feel like there was this period earlier this year Mm. where there were some redundancies being made in the big agencies because the tech market was saying, I was like, this has, this doesn't feel like it's being related Mm. to to the tech market. And I know that they look at forecasts and trends. So they will go, okay, the VCs are pulling in money. It's looking like a potential recession is on the horizon. Mm. So we're going to trim the fat now because we need to ensure we're hitting our profit, yeah, uh, our profit mark. Um, do you think that in a big agency, sometimes you are just a bit more of a number on a spreadsheet versus at a small agency?
1: I think it feels it feels like that. I don't want to generalise because there are some people, I'm sure, in the big agencies where they love it and they yeah. feel the culture's great and they feel like they're respected. And they've been there for and years. years. Yeah. And you mean, you see some people and they've been at a big agency yeah. for like 20 years and there yeah. must be something that keeps someone there. True. Um, but I think, yeah, I think on a whole, small agencies, you – tend to work closer with like an MD or a founder no Mm. matter your level and I think then you feel like you're seen, heard, respected tends to be more of a like open conversation at a smaller agency whereas at a big agency it might have to go through your line manager and then it goes through their line manager and then it goes to HR it's different
0: I think Yeah, I think you're right as well that with with some of the big agencies Mm. certainly not all of them, they do go through constant restructures, I know one of them has gone through a restructure almost every three years Mm. because I've had heads of departments come to me saying oh they've just restructured the department Mm. again and I'm like, oh, and it's the same agency that, that keeps doing it. Yeah, And I think being we're a small business ourselves and from that perspective, I think the amount of personal time and effort and money that goes into training someone and bringing them into um, your, your, your way of doing business If I was to then lose that talent, it's such a bigger hit to the business than it is just that churn and burn of like, yep, next person in, Mm -hmm. bum on the seat. Okay, off we go.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I don't think candidates are aware of that.
0: No. Do you think that at big agencies equal big salaries compared and and small agencies equal small salaries? Or what's your thoughts on that?
1: In general, I think that's it, but then you know there are some um, agencies who are mid-sized and they pay way above market rates. Yeah. I think is it's again like situational, but I think what I tend to see is that the big agencies, especially the globals, have a higher.
0: are uh, you are saying that, yeah. Higher, yeah. So let's say that I am an account manager at a mm-hmm. global mm-hmm. and an account manager at a you know one of our leading small to mid-sized agency clients. What do you think the difference in that salary would be? And I know that's a very <laughs> And how long is a piece of string as well
1: yeah, yeah so it <laughs> so varies variables. I think um, like one of my one of our clients who uh, still sits within the small agency side they max for an account manager would pay 38 and I think that's still a push for like someone who's really hot um, whereas you'll see I and I've spoken to some account managers from some of the globals who are already on 40k and they're six months in Yeah, um, but what they don't have is the host of benefits, maybe, that, and and the progression opportunities that the small agency would have.
0: Yeah, yeah, got you. Do you think um, that that small agencies? There's this this um, perception that small agencies you get no benefits, so you know you you're sitting on the dirt. There's no. Um, there's no, there's no chair for you to sit in and there's no <laughs> healthcare. What, what's your thoughts on that? Do small agencies offer benefits?
1: They do. I think it depends how old they are in their journey. When they're starting out, the benefits are going to be less than someone who's 10 years old. And yeah. I think that that's just expected. Um, but they do still offer some. Mostly the the easiest, not the easiest thing, but the, the most common thing that every agency does offer is some form of bonus, whether that be on the spot or profit related or whatever. Um, even small agencies will do that. I think healthcare doesn't really tend to come in until you're more established and you're more comfortable in okay, we've got enough clients to be able to offer this to everyone. Um, But some of our clients don't offer healthcare until you're like associate director level upwards. I think it's just dependent on the agency.
0: Yeah, that's very true. I think as well what I found with the smaller to mid-sized agencies, they can get a little bit creative with Mm -hmm. their benefits. So there tends to be a lot of the small to mid-sized that are taking their their team away somewhere in Europe. So we know that Milk and Honey go to Morocco every year Mm -hmm. for a four-day getaway with the team. Yeah. Words and Pixels, I think, just went to Spain, did they?
1: Yeah, Woodrow went to Tuscany last year.
0: Yeah, and New Communications just did a trip to Barcelona where they take the whole team. So there are some really cool... Off-site benefits that come along with mm. that, but also um, some are starting to introduce the the um, unlimited holiday allowance. Mm. Manifest actually have a fuck off bonus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah,
0: that's literally where uh, if you've joined, I think it's with and, and you're within probation. You've decided Manifest isn't for you. They will pay you a thousand pounds to fuck off. <laughs> I-
1: i think that's amazing yeah Yeah. and they're
0: all about you know what we want people to who want to be here to be um to be here and we want to help you make a clearer decision about what's right for your Mm. career so it's actually done in a nice way even though it sounds a bit cutthroat
1: yeah um third city offer a really nice one because it plays into their b corp status um but if you don't fly on a plane that whole year you get an extra day's holiday
0: Ah, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so
1: encouraging you not to.
0: Don't silly do that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah,
1: it's pretty cool. <laughs> that
0: would be difficult to do though.
1: Yes, it yeah. for you especially.
0: <laughs> yeah. I uh, can't get here by boat. <laughs> I'll see you in a year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Very over here.
0: Are there any other um, interesting benefits that you've seen on offer?
1: Um I really like what Woodrow do for Woodrow women. Um yes. and they and Lakshmi wrote a piece about this in PR week, I think, mm. last year. Um But, you know, the industry is predominantly women, but there's not really any processes in place to look after the women who... Are making up the majority of the industry. So um, they have a they have like certain care for period leave, kind of mm. like a don't ask, don't tell thing if you want to work from home. Um, their office is stocked with period care. Um, they have really good maternity and paternity. I think it's, they just call it parental leave. It's the same yeah. one. Um, and then they look after women in terms of like if there's a pregnancy loss or anything like that or yeah. fertility treatment. They're the first agency, I think, to really openly talk about looking after women. Um, yes. And I think that's massively important. Um, and then Milk and Honey have just launched uh, their exchange program between their offices that so oh, cool. you can go and work between different offices if you want to and yeah. also their work from anywhere in the summer. So if you want to go traveling but still want to work, yeah. you, you can go and do that.
0: Are you seeing those types of benefits being offered at the big global agencies?
1: Not that I've heard. Yeah. I think there are some travel opportunities within some of the, the globals. Um, I had a candidate who had an offer from a global, an offer from one of our clients. And the thing that tipped them over the edge was that the global was able to offer travel opportunities right. um, like around the world. Yeah. So I think some of them do, but I don't know how how many and how often you get to actually use that.
0: Yeah, I don't feel like I've, I've got enough insight to to say what the, the big agencies. We've just started working with one actually uh, in the tech space mm. um, and their benefits are really nice. But I wouldn't say that they've got some of those same similar things that are on offer at Milk and Honey or uh, Manifest and those yeah. types of agencies.
1: I think it's all about how you package it up as well. And this is what you constantly and what we constantly tell our clients, like make it fit your brand. Yes. So like with milk and honey, everything fits into the hive and and like bees and all that kind of And it's really cute. And I think even if your benefit, what you're offering is like standard, the way you tell it, your people in PR, they want to hear a story. They want to hear how it ties into your culture. That's what makes it really appealing.
0: Totally agree. So instead of saying we give a a gift to the team every quarter, yeah. call it a swag drop. Or or try and relate it to your brand in some way. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, I agree. Um,
0: When it comes to uh, environmental commitments, Mm. do you think there's a difference between the big and small agencies?
1: Yes. (laughs) I think we know that the globals, most of the globals and some of the big agencies work with big oil Mm. and um, clients that negatively impact the world and the people that, live in it um we've obviously signed the clean creative pledge so we couldn't work with a client that has those types of accounts within their their roster Mm. um but i think you see a lot of the small to mid-sized agencies are either b corp or they're signing clean creatives and they want to make an impact and they want to tell stories that mean something yes um whereas and it's not to say that the globals don't have this ethos or that people who work there don't have this ethos but i think it's Yeah, a massive difference.
0: Yeah. I think at the globals, you have the people at the top that are caring most about profit Mm. and then i'm sure you've got team members in there that care about the environment and and the world yeah but they have less of a voice yes in the small agencies you've got mds at the top that care about the world and 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 profit as well Mm. you can have both yeah but also that your voice is is much louder in those smaller agencies Mm. so i know in latte it was a it was a group decision for us to say yeah we're going to sign the clean creators, but everyone was on board with it and everyone wanted it and if we were to take on I, th- I remember actually we we're going to take on um, a horse racing client, mm-hmm. and I remember you saying, "Dean, not sure if that's that's right for us, and that doesn't feel right." Yeah. Um, and we kind of checked with clients on the ethics, and you know that you have a voice; it's heard. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to filter all the way up to a global CEO. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I
1: agree.
0: Did you see on LinkedIn this morning the Clean Creatives campaign? It can. Uh, festival?
1: No, I haven't.
0: Uh, they had um, Richard Edelman, the the chairman of Edelman, wow. uh, and I think one of his sidekick executives. They were being followed by Clean Creative <laughs> um, <laughs> protesters with signs <laughs> saying, "I profit from purpose and greenwashing. <laughs> <laughs> I accept uh, uh, fossil fuel giants."
1: Wow! I mean. How else are they gonna hear? I mean, there was one of the I think you spoke about it on another podcast, but one of the globals got smoke bombed and it's still yeah. not changing anything. Yeah, you an and we get Yeah, and we're getting people come to us at those agencies saying, I can't do it anymore. I don't yeah. I feel like I'm greenwashing or it doesn't align with my morals and that's Well, I think we see a lot of people leave the globals to come to the small side because they stand for something.
0: So do you think in the fight for talent, Mm. this uh, movement of B Corp and clean creatives and doing better for the world Mm. is going to be, you know, 10%, 15% change that starts to tip talent towards um, the small to mid-sized?
1: I think it's part of it, yeah. I think stuff like that is an indication of your culture and what stories you tell. And everyone in PR are storytellers and they want to tell cool stories or Mm -hmm. meaningful stories and they want to have their name on something that's making a difference. I think especially with the generations that are coming up, they're so much more involved in like politics and the environment and wanting to see a change because the older generations Mm -hmm. have kind of wrecked it for them. And I think if you have agencies that are like, we hear you, we see you, and we also want to make a change. There's nothing that... For some candidates, there's nothing that a big agency could do unless they were to get rid of all of those clients and do the same thing. That would tip them over.
0: Yeah. What's what's your thoughts? Because actually, um, I was reading the the LinkedIn post and Frankie Oliver made a really amazing comment to someone who said, we need fossil fuels to power the world and refrigerate Mm -hmm. all of the food. And uh, Frankie, who is... um, the founder of New Society uh, and she came back with a really informative post which basically said you need to watch, I think it's called Big Oil on Netflix Mm -hmm. because it was ExxonMobil that back in the 50s or 60s she was saying had done all of this research on renewable energy, knew that they could develop the product but then also did the maths to find out actually we won't make the same amount of profit off renewable if we we allow this to, to go ahead and then did all of this disinformation campaign and put loads of money into, say, that like, renewable energy can't power the world. And that's a, it's a real passion point of mine when I see posts where like, well, you know, we need this or we can't change or mm-hmm. do you know what BP is actually, um, you know, really doing? It's invested $5 billion into renewable energy. The reality is that's something like 2 to 5% of their, 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 yeah, of their total investments. The rest of their investments are going into oil exploration. So... Do you think as people become more educated about things like that? Because for me, I'm still in that mindset. If I was to go and work for someone, I don't think it would be on the tip of my tongue to ask them, do you work for a fossil fuel client as an individual? And let's say I was working in a big global recruiter that had that, but I wasn't on that account. I still think my mind is like, oh, well, that's not me individually, but it's slowly shifting for me bit Mm -hmm. by bit by bit. I'm like, "Oh, actually, Dean, um, you know, you've now... I've become educated on this topic and the more I read the more I'm like, actually that's against my my morals and ethics.
1: Yeah. I think I I personally couldn't work for a company like that. If you suddenly are like, right, we're gonna be doing recruitment for all the big oil companies yeah. and I would look to leave if okay. there was no room for me. So to be that's like,
0: how I can get rid of you then. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Just sign on yep. all the big yeah. oil, and I'm <laughs> right. out of here. I'll like be on a the phone to on tomorrow.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I think even if I'm not personally on those accounts, I am still somehow feeling the benefit from it because my salaries are being paid by that company that are getting profits from those. Mm types of clients yeah,
0: um,
1: and I think that's what a lot of Gen Z and millennials feel as well um, I'm speaking to someone who works at a global and, and their accounts aren't big oil yeah. um, but they still feel really awkward for the fact that they work there and they're like I'm really ready to leave, it doesn't align to my morals and they're actually very interested in a client of ours who are the polar opposite of that mm. and very um, they want to do work that that makes a difference and means something and matters True, and I think that's what a lot of young young people want
0: yeah, I agree. There's a, there's a movement starting to happen slowly yeah. but surely. Mm. To be honest, though, it isn't necessarily just a big versus small mm. in, in that because, yes, most of the big agencies do have fossil fuel clients. You only yeah. need to check out the clean creatives list. Mm. Um, but there are some small to mid-sized that are also shocking in that space, some, yeah. some even worse. Mm. Um, and there's one that's working with some really dodgy uh, governments uh, mm. overseas with um poor human rights records and we are finding because I remember when we were recruiting for Woodrow and we sent talent from that agency because they wanted to get out their question was why did they work at that agency for three to four years on Mm. these clients and that it it can start to impact your um your own personal brand yeah
1: it yeah it does um I think it's like it's there's three sides to those types of stories Mm. it's like the a lot of the time especially when you're getting into a new industry any industry you take the first job that you can get and then sometimes you might feel like i need to establish myself at least for a couple of years before Mm. i can even get something so i understand why some people might stay at an agency like that for a little bit longer maybe um but i think it's all about the reason that you have for that and some some of them might be like oh i didn't even think about it being an issue and that's when you probably wouldn't get a job at a Woodrow because that doesn't align to their morals. Yeah. Um, but it might be like, look, I've been trying to get out for a while and this is constant feedback that I'm getting, like, why yes. are you working on these clients? And so I can't get out and, you know, blink my eyes and now I'm here for three years.
0: Yeah, true. So do you think, what do you think when it, about training and development um, in a small agency versus a large agency? What have you heard from talent in the market? Do they feel that one's better or there's no real trend there?
1: I think some clients feel that global agencies especially are better. They like mm-hmm. more at the maybe from entry level up into account manager. Yeah. They like people from a global because their their training and development programs are so rigid. There's so much structure and process. And by the time they get to an AM, you know, they're the best people who can write a press release. No one's even gonna look at it like it's good to go. They'll have a big book of contacts. Um but I think it's a misconception that small agencies can't train well, it might be a little bit more on the job, but like you said, it should be, what was the split? Um, 10% paid, 20% formal Uh, internal training and then the rest on, On 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 the job. And that's applicable whether you're a big or a small agency, True. the majority of it is going to be on the job. Yeah. Um, but there are some agencies, small agencies that have really good training and development programs. Hope and Glory is one of them. Yeah. I think they they train some of the best people in consumer PR and that's why so many people want to steal their team because mm-hmm. by the time they get to whatever level, it's like they're the best of the best in consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, same with like uh, Milk and Honey and uh, Willful Group who have a, paid training and development Mm. program. So you have a budget per year. Mm. Um, I think that's really important. And I think, yeah, I think all agencies have their own unique, I think what is um, key to remember is every agency will train in a different way. So you're not all going to be trained in the same way. And so your training will fit some agencies, but it won't fit others.
0: Yeah, true. Do you see any issues or challenges that talent faces when they're moving from a small to big agency or big to small?
1: Small to big, I've heard. I think they're either sizes, like Marmite, you either love it or you hate it. I don't think there's an in-between. You tend to go for one or the other. Um, I think if you're moving from a small agency to a big, I think it's a big culture shock. You probably aren't heard as much in the business. You Mm -hmm. probably have to go through way more layers for everything. Um, Promotions and pay rises are very different at a big agency. I feel like you have to stay in... From what I've heard, you have to stay in that box of yeah. whatever level it is that you're in. Yeah. I think also moving from big to small is a culture shock because suddenly you have a lot more responsibility. You're expected to just do things yeah. um without as much handholding or guidance or oversight. Mm. Um and I think naturally what I've from interviewing people who have started at small agencies, I think you have to be a bit more scrappy. Yeah. And so it's not to say that that's a bad thing if you're not, but I think you have to be aware of the cultural differences between the two two sizes um, and just be aware of what you're going into. It is different. They're both different.
0: Yeah, it's no, a good neither point. Neither is
1: bad, neither is good.
0: That's true. And do you find that some people make the shift into big to small and vice versa mm. uh, and they go, oh, that's not for me, and then shift back?
1: Yes and no. I, when I've spoken to people at the kind of anywhere from like AE to AM, leaving a big agency they quite like going into a small agency mm-hmm. I think if you have been at a big agency all of your career going into a small is probably not for you and then you'll come out you'll be like oh this is nothing that I know it's completely different to everything that I've done for the past 10 years whatever and so they go back into a big agency same same the other way around I think yeah. you spend all your time at a small agency and then go into a big company you feel like it's just your cog maybe yeah in machine.
0: that's true So let's say I am a MD and Mm. I'm running an agency of 15, 20 people and I'm struggling to attract talent for my business. Mm. What would you say, you know, the top two or three tips are that I can implement to help me attract talent more effectively?
1: Look at your employer brand. Mm -hmm. I think if you're, I mean, you're in PR, you tell stories and that's you have to tell your own story. Um, And I think candidates want to see that. What's the type of work that they could be doing? What's the flavour of your business? What's your culture like? And um, two people who I think do that, or two companies who I think do that really well, uh, Hebe Dragons Mm. and Milk and Honey, Mm. they're they're constantly pring themselves. And sometimes that can feel like a brag, but it's important because in the, I don't even know how many agencies there are in London these days, if you're not constantly talking about yourself, you will go under the line. No one will really know about you or think about you. Whereas I think you see so much about those two agencies that they're constantly top of your mind. So employer brand, I think is really important. I think also talking to your team about what they want. Obviously not everything is easy to implement Mm. and there has to be some, like you have to be realistic about it. But there might be that your training and development isn't structured enough and a lot of people want that. So try and, I think the best Way to attract talent is to make sure that your current team is happy because if they're happy, they're not going to want to leave. Yeah. And if they're happy, more talent is going to want to come in because True. they've heard about how lovely your culture is or whatever.
0: True. And give it a damn good interview experience.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. That's the most important thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> so much frustration comes from people who don't know how to run an interview on the hiring manager's it's side. That's
0: insane. Yes. Can't walk out and go, What the fuck was that? Yeah. (laughs) And then they go and tell 10 of their friends. And then we headhunt other people and say, oh, actually, my friend interviewed there. And they said it was horrific. Yeah. I don't think people realize how damaging a bad interview experience is. It's
1: so damaging. And everyone in PR knows each other. Yes, you're working for each other's competitors. But it's, you know, it's award season. Everyone has a few drinks and they talk about their experiences or they're all friends. I think you have to really view it from a hiring manager's point as a two-way street, yes, you want to make sure that that person can do the job and will be good for your agency, but you also want to make sure that you seem attracted to them, especially when they're getting 20 headhunts a week.
0: Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Do you think, so there's big and small agencies and then there's micro. (laughs) (laughs) And So I would say these are agencies that we would say are around kind of six and under, Mm -hmm. and some are... Bubbling away, and they'll never be more than that. Some are in high growth mode. Mm. Um, what do you do? You think there's a difference of joining a micro agency? What do you think the pros and the cons are of that for for talent out there?
1: I think size isn't important. It's what you do with it that oh. counts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: I think it, it's it can be unnerving. I think it depends on the level of the candidate and also the type of way that they work. You get some people who see a micro agency and they think this is amazing. I can make my mark here and do something um, and grow with a company. And that's really, really exciting. You'll get some people who think this is going to take a lot of work. Yeah. Um, And so I think it depends on the type of person that you are. If you can step out and see the bigger picture and you're like, they stand for something. I love their culture. I love their ethos. The founders are great. I could really do something here. I think there is an attractive opportunity if it's something that's just, "Mm, we don't really know who we are. We don't know what we're doing. And yes, that takes time to find it. And I think it took a while to find like who latte is and that's natural. But I think if there isn't that kind of like, "Mm, this could be something, then it's not obviously
0: attractive. I agree. And I think there's some great examples of latte is one of them where we are essentially a micro business of seven people now. Yeah. But I think there is so much, you know, and and that is for some people and not for others. Mm. So, you know, if we think of Hannah, our marketing exec leading this podcast series, all of our marketing programs, really learning as she goes, bringing in an external consultant. If we look at you joining as a talent exec and then having three promotions in three years to now leading the London team. Mm that comes with opportunity. Whereas I think if it was a much bigger agency, you'd be a little bit more confined, but that would also Mm. have its other benefits. And actually another good example is um, Abigail at Harpswood. Yes. You know, she joined, I think, as their second employee and Mm. has been on this journey where they're now 10 or 12 people. She's a key leader within the business and and the sky's the limit in terms of where she's going to go with them.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So I think it's like spotting the good opportunities. If that agency has And I think uh, Shook is another really good example. They launched in the pandemic, really rocky time, started with just two or three of them. Yeah. Um, and now they're a team, I think, I don't to. I think it's a 14-ish. I think so, yeah. Um, but they always knew who they were and their messaging from the beginning was really unique. Yeah. I think some people spotted that and were like, that's cool. Mm. I'm going to grow with that. And now they have some amazing clients Mm. and they've done some really cool work and imagine being like their first hire and now doing all of that kind of stuff like with the UN Mm. like the stuff that they've done I think is really impressive but you might not have thought that when you first saw them launch
0: Their World Refugee Campaign, World Refugee Day campaign was amazing.
1: Yeah. And then they they worked with the National Trust on that campaign for Paul McCartney, where they got people to record in his childhood home. Like, that is cool. That is cool stuff. But you might see, oh, you know, they're only a team of 10 or whatever they were at the time and think that that's going to be too much work. But actually, you're missing really cool opportunities.
0: Yes. And as a prime example of that, National Trust, Paul McCartney campaign, um, as an AM, you get to be really hands-on with that. It's not just yeah. left up to whoever. Or yes. as an AE, you get to be included in that.
1: Yeah, you're in Liverpool in his home. Yeah, like you can't get any closer to the Beatles than that. I think.
0: Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, uh, in terms of your your tips for for talent who's looking to find some of the best small to mid-sized, fast-growing agencies, mm-hmm. what resources are out there? How do you make the the shift into those those types of agencies where you get to be hands-on, entrepreneurial, and work on sit campaigns?
1: I think really assess yourself and see if that's what you really want. Mm. The campaigns are cool. um, But I think if you're used to being in a box and doing things that only an AM would do or only an AD would do, going to a small agency, you'll probably find that that's really tough. Mm. And that's okay. So I think just be aware of like what your strengths are and how you work. Um, And then in terms of like the research, I think you want to like, if you don't already, like, read industry news, listen to industry podcasts, because that's the types of media that is talking about all of these really cool agencies that are are starting up. Um, And then also not a plug, but if you, if you go to a recruiter like latte, who, specifically focus on small to mid-sized agencies we have a whole roster of I know we're biased but very cool agencies who might be under the radar right now but are gonna be somewhere yeah. I think you can then get a flavor from it I mean there are other recruiters who who have those clients as well of course I uh,
0: there aren't Chantel.
1: <laughs> just us <laughs> yeah. um, I think I think you have to spend your time doing your research and kind of also looking at like what's important to you is it morals and the type of work that they do and the types of clients that they have in terms of like, are they giving back to the community? Um, Is it like really creative, cool campaigns? Um, You've got to kind of figure out what you want from your next role, I think.
0: Totally agree. And I think one of the, again, this is a plug, but Mm. I think one of the good things about Latte is that we will listen to what you're actually looking for, and then provide you with a tailored list mm. of, of live roles. Sometimes it will sit there for a little bit and then we'll mm. have to brief you later on. Um, you're not just going to be pushed into anything that that doesn't, doesn't fit w- with what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah, fab. Okay, <laughs> well, that's it for this week. Thanks for joining, joining me, Chantel. Thanks, if you have found this conversation useful, please share it and leave a review. Would really appreciate it. And join us next time for another episode of Cut the BS.